Earlier this month, Northern Territory Attorney-General Chancy Pache introduced legislation in Parliament to raise the age of criminal responsibility. It comes after a long-running national push to reduce the number of young people coming into contact with the criminal justice system. Attorney-General Chancy Pache joins me now. Attorney, welcome back to Speaking Out. Ah, it's great to be with you. It's been a while since we've had you on the show and you were appointed Attorney General in May. How have you found the role? Well, look, it has been a little while. It's been a whirlwind, lots of work, but really happy to say that um, I've managed to get some really progressive uh, reform through um, and is currently before the Northern Territory Parliament. Well, we mentioned earlier the legislation to raise the age of criminal responsibility in the Northern Territory uh, put to Parliament earlier this month. From your perspective, why are these reforms necessary? Yeah, look, I'm really so excited about these reforms, um, particularly because it's the first uh, of its kind in the country. Um, And, you know, look, for me, the sooner a child becomes involved in the justice system, the more prolonged their involvement is. And, you know, punitive measures to address children's behaviour is, in my position, it's, it's not the answer. Um, so these are about being smarter in the ways in which we work with young children to get them back on track um, and to really stop that prolonged relationship with the justice system. So it's just simply put, making sure that we have Uh, a more new age justice system that responds uh, more appropriately um, to victim survivors, but also uh, to children um, and looks at those therapeutic responses. I was going to ask you that from your perspective, what are the alternative pathways to reduce rates of reoffending, given that we are seeing statistically that juvenile crime is on the rise? Yeah, I think when we talk about, um, you know, youth or antisocial behaviour, I think what we really need to really understand is there are a number of factors which contribute to those um, increasing numbers. And one of those uh, is, you know, many people across the country are living uh, below the poverty line, um, which, you know, means that in most instances, it's really hard for them in the home environment. They're often out on the streets, but we know that simply locking up a kid isn't the answer because sometimes the children come out needing more help than when they went in. So this is looking at those responses that help us to deal with those situations. So it's looking at intensive family support services. It's looking at restorative justice. It's looking absolutely at those mechanisms in which we look at justice reinvestment and, and what that means. It's really about uh, looking at this as a, uh, as a wholesome approach rather than that punitive response that has been uh, in place for a number of years. You only have to look at the data to know that this kind of response isn't working and we need to uh, have a smarter justice system for safer communities. It's interesting hearing you talk because when I hear you talk or I listen to Attorney General in South Australia, Kaya Ma, talk, there's a different language and a different set of ideas. What difference do you think it makes to have a First Nations person in the Attorney General's role? Oh, I think it's incredibly um, important and it does enable a different lens to be to be put on things. You know, Larissa, when I became the Attorney General and I was walking through the correctional facilities and the courts, I had, you know, family members yelling out, waving and welcoming me, which was kind of awkward. But 
I understand the challenges in which people uh, are brought to the justice system, and I understand that there are much, much easier, efficient ways and more humane ways to respond to uh, the behaviours and address them. And also, you know, jailing is failing, locking people up and not giving them the opportunity to participate in meaningful programs to address those behaviours is not good enough. We do need to pivot and making sure that we try everything we can to divert First Nations people away from the justice system, engaged in more meaningful programs that absolutely deliver is crucial. There have been funding cuts for circuit courts. What is this thinking around that in terms of its impact on justice? And are you confident a resolution can be found? Yeah, I think absolutely. Um, particularly when we talk about the the bush courts or the circuit courts, um, delivering you know justice is and will always be an ongoing challenge. Um, I certainly have been working with the Northern Territory Legal Aid Commission and other stakeholders such as NAJA to address the matters and we've got them now uh, where they've resumed circuit courts again and continuing to work, Larissa, with my federal government colleagues on this matter towards a more sustainable funding agreement because the previous Liberal coalition, when they negotiated um, those national partnership agreements, really shortchanged those jurisdictions such as the Territory because it's a real East Coast-centric model. So when you look at parts of NTSAWA and, and parts of Queensland, uh, what it does, it doesn't really account for those remote, you know, I, I've done bush courts uh, as the Attorney General and, you know, getting out in a car or a plane and getting out 700 k's from the nearest city, um, these are distances that people have to travel to to deliver those court services. So it's a larger financial cost. So rest assured, um, I continue to make sure that everyone hears me in those roundtable meetings with the attorneys and will continue to advocate for that funding so that we can continue to see these bush courts continue because they are really important. Um, Going to be introducing legislation next year um, around uh, bush courts and having part of that is uh, Aboriginal uh, leadership uh, in law and justice groups who will be providing advice and um, talking to the judges around sentencing options as well. So really good reform there, but again, is absolutely dependent and crucial that the bush court circuit continue. So I've got a bit more work there, which I suspect will uh, give me a few more grey hairs, but it's well worth it. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you a little bit about um, something else that must be giving you grey hairs because I have such admiration for people like yourself who get in to really try and change the system from within, which is so hard and intractable for blackfellas to manage and change. It's very admirable work, but it's very hard work and you are really up against an entrenched system. So I was wondering how, just for you personally, you navigate something like the community requests or demands or protests to close, say, Dondale, where, you know, you would have so much passion and empathy for the issue, but there are such constraints around what you can do. On that issue in particular, how are you navigating that? Look, it's a really, um, it's a difficult issue. No denying, um, no denying that. I think people really underestimate um, the enormous pressures that are put on First Nations people. So, you know, us as as Aboriginal people, as as um, countrymen, um, 
inside the party structures is always a challenge because we have fundamental beliefs and values that are at our core. They are who we are. And navigating that in a system that is designed uh, to not take those into consideration is, is something you have to constantly navigate. But, you know, I think one thing that makes me kind of really empowered or keeps me strong is getting out and actually continuing to talk and listen and really understand people. And often you both want the same outcome at the end. It's the road in which you choose to take the journey to get there. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, I absolutely do not want uh, any young person or child in a youth detention facility. And that's the work that I've got to embark on with my team around making sure that we we set that goal and we drive towards it. But, you know, I absolutely, it's hard. Um, and it's also hard for our mob who are constantly pushing for change. And sometimes it feels like it's such a long way. And I think recently, one thing that's been really refreshing for me and for, I guess, the community is um, taking this step to raise the age of criminal responsibility um, is something that the community have championed for a long time. It's something that the evidence is clear in saying that this is the right thing to do. And that's, I guess, Larissa, for me, I remember one of my aunties, Annie Pat Turner, told me when I was entering Parliament, you've got to write all your values down. So on these hard days when you're feeling, you know, you're struggling, you can look back at those values and they'll help you and guide you make the decision and then you know you've made the right one. I think that's really important. It's wonderful advice. We're big fans of Arnie Pat on this show and uh, that sort of wisdom is exactly why she's one of our favourites. Another issue that's gained a lot of attention recently has been the end of the alcohol bans in remote communities. You're there on the ground, you're talking to people. This is a really complex issue. From your perspective, what are your reflections on the impact of these laws? Yeah, I think it's certainly very interesting out on the ground talking to people. And, you know, I think we've got to constantly remind people around the rest of the country, you know, um, us as blackballers, we're not a homogenous group. So there's always going to be competing ideas and priorities on a number of things. But I think I never supported the racist legislation um, and the Stronger Futures legislation that basically took away the same rights and controls that First Nations people should have had over their lives in this matter. I think when it came in, it was designed that over the period they were supposed to have alcohol management plans enforced. We know that they sat on the desk of the Commonwealth ministers for a number of years. But I think we have to also look at these situations. Um, We've got a number of community members, uh, remote communities, town camps, um, urban living areas and homelands, people saying we absolutely um, know that alcohol has been coming in for a while now, um, but we need to make sure that we better have provisions in place to manage and live with alcohol. But also, I guess, you know, many communities in the NT were already general restricted areas and that reverted back when the um, Stronger Futures legislation sunsetted. But there's ongoing work and there's always going to need to be work. i working with, you know, Annie Linda Burney and and Annie Marion Scrimminger around working in this space to look at the impacts um, and if there are additional measures or options that we can bring in. But, you know, the most important thing for me in this space is it's got to be driven 
by the local community, not outside people or organisations determining the rights for remote Aboriginal people. It's got to be driven by that leadership on the ground in those communities because we need to understand their challenges and their issues, but also what they want. I would like to acknowledge your very strong advocacy against the Stronger Futures legislation and a lot of what you predicted would be its negative impact sadly came to pass. So it's great to have you there now, um, understanding what needs to be uh, changed after the impact of those laws. Um, Family and domestic violence is obviously a very big concern What sort of government support do you think is needed and how important is the community-controlled sector in any response to this issue? Oh, look, what I mean, this is such a huge issue, I guess, nationally, but I think it's such a huge issue here in the Territory given the high rates of domestic and family violence that we, we do see. I mean, we've made provisions. We've got a Minister for the Prevention of Domestic and Family Violence and, and Sexual Violence. You know, I think... Here in the Territory, we will not stay silent on continuing to advocate and call on the Commonwealth for needs-based funding that recognises those complexities we face here in the NT Larissa. I think we've done a huge volume of work. We're currently doing uh, domestic and family violence legislative reforms um, and systems reviews, but the community sector in this space is absolutely crucial. You know, I mean, I was absolutely brought to tears on um, Monday night out, you know, I was out bush and we watched the Four Corners series on domestic and family violence and Aboriginal women. And I think it was just so devastating and heartbreaking to see that trauma continue. And we really need to stand up and really call on this approach for needs-based funding to help address that. Community-controlled sector are crucial. They're on the ground. They're the experts. We need to work with them. Here in the Territory, we are working with the DV sector on co-design of programs around men's behavioural programs, programs that tackle violence, um, you know, programs that look at strengthening the family unit and some recent changes um, that are before NT Parliament at the moment are about mandating judges to consider mitigating risks for DV victim survivors and their families. So we're saying as a judge, when you are sentencing, you need to consider the impacts and what can be done to mitigate the risk of the victim survivor and their family. So it's really important. The Northern Territory has gone down the path of a treaty process. Can you tell us where that's at at the moment? Yeah, so we absolutely know that treaty um, is such an important issue, self-determination for um, brothers and sisters out bush and in the urban centres is really important. The treaty report was completed. It's been handed over to the Northern Territory Government. Um, Minister Selina Yubo is uh, working on the responses to the recommendations in the report, um, and that'll be um, released at the end of the year um, around how we will work uh, with the community to deliver a, a number of those key reforms in that. So I think that's really important. Also, I think what is important is how these work together, particularly with the constitutional recognition, the Uluru Statement from the Heart, um, and how we make sure that uh, these processes complement one another. 
Yes, that is very important. It'll be interesting to see how that happens. And it's a wonderful example of where states and territories can lead the way uh, before the federal government goes down the path. Um, Other times we've spoken, um, you've been such a strong advocate for greater economic development and employment opportunities in the Northern Territory. And I'm sure just because you've got this portfolio now, that's no uh, less an issue that's a priority for you. And I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about some of the um, outcomes you're hoping might be achieved in those areas. Yeah, a great question. I'm so glad that you asked. I'm really passionate about this area. I think, you know, we've got a number of programs in the Territory, remote housing program, and it's great when you're out bushing, you're seeing, you know, fellow countrymen out there, you know, working and building on those sites. I think for me, one of the exciting things is, and I'm, I am, I feel like I'm out there cracking the whip with my federal colleagues, but with the change of government, uh, is the change of, of, for an opportunity here, and that is the CDP, Community Development Program. It doesn't work, doesn't deliver in the bush. Everyone out bush is not happy with it. This is an opportunity now for the new federal government to scrap it and bring in uh, real wages, real jobs, real opportunities for people out bush. And, you know, when we talk about the bush, we've got to stop talking about, oh, regional economic development opportunities, you need to create sometimes economies in those communities. And that's what we need to be doing is looking at this, where are the opportunities? Um, People absolutely need, as I said, real jobs, real wages, real entitlements to make that real difference. So obviously working across that with uh, Minister Linda Burney, um, because there are so many people out bush who are hungry for a real job and to participate in the economic opportunities because the bush is absolutely full of opportunities and is a you know is a real uh, key to um, our future. Whether that's in renewable energy, uh, whether that is in um, infrastructure, um, or you look at the amazing contributions that our mob make in the um, creative industries. The opportunities are endless, but there are a few federal government settings that need to be changed. You know, I mean, Larissa, I am all up for banning fake Indigenous art that comes into the country um, because we need to value the contributions that our First Nations artists make. Many of the things we've discussed in our chat have been very difficult, intractable problems, but I was wondering if you could reflect on what have been some of the most positive changes within Indigenous affairs and what is it that gives you hope for the future? Oh, you know, for me, I think when we look at Indigenous affairs and over the years, I think there's been a real, we've got to celebrate how far we have come. And I think a few years ago, we didn't see the number of First Nations people participating on that national stage, whether that's people um, in our justice system. You know, we've got a number of um, Aboriginal judges now. We've got uh, Aboriginal people elected to parliament, Aboriginal people becoming CEOs. Um, You know, really, for me, Larissa, uh, it's important for our mob. You can't be what you can't see. So you've really got to make sure that we celebrate right across um, the spectrum and the sectors where First Nations people are making a difference. Um, and that's even on a grassroots level. I think that the local community 
um, have absolutely come together over recent years and reinvigorated that level of activism and passion that we had, you know, in the early uh, 70s and 80s when we were advocating and marching for, you know, our own legal services, medical services. I think we've reignited that energy and uh, we've really put the focus on the absolute need to reform the justice system to tackle structural racism, really important conversations. And I think that we're starting to really see that big reform taking place, which is really heartening to see. I think it's important to celebrate those, but also to continue to work together to say we absolutely need more and we need more of the community um, embarking on that journey with us um, to really celebrate that. I think First Nations people have done an amazing job in educating non-Indigenous people around the absolute need to protect um, places of spiritual and cultural significance. And I think as we transition um, to, you know, a greener economy, First Nations people absolutely front and centre around looking at those options and looking at um, how they can work with businesses to have economic development opportunities out bush. Well, you're a bit of an inspiration and trailblazer. So it's wonderful to have you on the show. It's always such a privilege to speak with you. And I also want to thank you for the strength and bravery to take a seat at a very difficult table. It's great to have you there. Attorney, thanks so much for your time. Uh, Larissa, thank you. Always happy to, to chat, but I think just important, I wouldn't be where I am now if it weren't for um, the Aboriginal community-controlled organisations and community groups. And more importantly, if it weren't for the strength and resilience of all our brothers and sisters right across the country, uh, whether it's in the cities, the suburbs, uh, or the remote communities, town camps. I mean, we all, as Aboriginal people working in these roles, we get out of bed every day because it's our mission to try and make life better for our mob. And we can't do that if we're not supported and encouraged to, to take those steps and, and have, those, um, have those hairy fights if we're not supported. So, you know, just a big shout out to, um, to all our mob uh, far and wide. Thanks so much. Thank you. That's Northern Territory Attorney General and Minister for Justice, Chancy Pache.